Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to the Prospect Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds and talk about the ideas that matter in politics, arts and society. I'm Ellen Halliday, Deputy Editor at Prospect, and today I'm joined by writer and critic Sarah Manavis as we delve into the world of Russell Brand. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk more about this. So we started talking about Russell Brand quite a few months ago now. You've recently written a profile of of Russell Brand for our magazine. And many of us sort of know him as a comedian, actor, political provocateur of the early 2010s. But you got interested in what he's up to now and try to investigate who his fans are, why there's something about his particular kind of influence that's of greater concern to society, I guess, (laughs) today. So let's kind of roll backwards to the Russell Brand who we remember in your piece, you mentioned this famous Newsnight interview from, I think, 2013. Can you tell us a bit about who he was then, what his ideas were, you know, what was his place in culture? Well, I think it's really interesting because as someone who grew up in the US, even I was aware of Russell Brand when I was in high school and even in, I think, middle school. And I knew him then more as the comedy actor, but obviously most of us, I think, remember him most distinctly as being this sort of political provocateur in the mid-2010s, early 2010s. And I think, obviously, as with any political figure, there's a wide range of opinions about how you could take him. But I think most people sort of saw him as someone who was very interested in ideas, who was passionate about what he believed. I think most people would have categorized him as left-wing with a left-wing audience. I think that's where most people would have sort of placed him on the political spectrum. And then something that sort of struck me was that when you sort of think about what people see as modern political chaos, sort of 2016 onwards, he's really not there for any of that. You don't really think about him in the context of any of these things, despite how almost unavoidable he was for really like a decade before that. So I think that's where sort of, at least my cultural memory, my political memory of Russell Brand was until, I guess, roughly nine months ago. Yeah. In that interview with Jeremy Paxman, who's sort of this you know, titan of political interviewing, and and Russell Brand is kind of challenging him in a way that at the time was maybe quite unusual, but now feels quite familiar. I think in the piece you say, it sort of almost makes you wince a little bit looking back now on on his mannerism, because a lot of it sort of is is much more common these days than it was at the time. 
Yeah, and I think it's not just the mannerisms either. I think it's the ideas that he was sort of laughed off by a large portion of the population that have now become much more commonly accepted. I mean, even things where simple ideas about climate change and climate change being one of the sort of the, the biggest issue of our time. I mean, he was saying that 10 years ago, and most people were saying that's absurd. That's an absurd thing to say over the economy, over these things. Um, even just talking about the fact that power isn't truly necessarily sat within Westminster or within governments. I mean, that's, a, I mean, we all, I mean, many people do really commonly accept that, whereas it was sort of treated then as this sort of like absurd, uh, kind of like airy fairy way of sort of thinking about politics. But yeah, I think it's just, that's watching it. It was almost, I found it a bit sad in a way because he did actually, what he was saying in a lot of ways did make sense. And, and yeah, like you say, the mannerisms and the politics are extremely popular now. Yeah. And those arguments to the extent that he still holds them still obviously make sense to a lot of people. So he's now grown into this, hugely popular online figure who is streaming to kind of unimaginable audiences every day that was a big part of what you looked into as well in your profile so I mean how how big is he now I mean I think it's really hard to overstate the influence Russell Brand likely has I mean we can't truly ever know with these sorts of things but you really don't get someone who fits in that perfect Venn diagram of of creating so much content at such a high frequency and with, with such high engagement from his users. Like you say, he's streaming every single day on Rumble, which is sort of this almost like alt-right YouTube, I guess is what you call it. But it's also predominantly or largely a streaming service. And every single day you have more than a quarter of a million people watching these live streams, either within a few hours of them going up or watching them live every single day, five days a week. So you don't really get that with that many people. And you also don't get, like I said in the piece, and like I was talking to these experts at the at the Oxford Internet Institute, what's really crucial about him is there's so much familiarity we already have with him. You know, like I said, I was in the United States. I was in I was in suburban Ohio, and I knew who Russell Brand was when I was not even yet a teenager. And so the fact that we have so much familiarity already just means that he supersedes this thing that most online talking heads have to do of building an audience and building familiarity and trust because we already know who he is and the way he conveys himself is just for a lot of people very trustworthy and yeah his scale is in the sort of upper millions nearing 10 million but I would actually argue that you know his subscriber rates are that high but I imagine his audience is much much higher than that. Yeah. And what kind of things is he talking about then in these in these daily videos? What isn't he talking about? <laughs> um, he's <laughs> it's it's a pretty astonishing thing to watch. It's it's kind of in many ways what I guess we would consider sort of stereotypical conspiracy theorist idea ideas. Um, like I said in the piece, he's not he's often not outright endorsing these ideas he's just going oh what if why don't we why don't we just take a look at this idea so he's done videos on the great reset which is a very popular conspiracy theory um videos about donald trump and the election being stolen but again not not saying the election definitely was stolen from donald trump but just hypothesizing um lots of things about hunter biden's laptop you know sort of these very typically right-wing conspiracy theories and actually which is sort of a shame 
is he is platforming a lot of climate conspiracy theorists, um, climate climate change skeptics or even deniers. He himself not necessarily saying, I endorse this or believe this, but he is bringing people on who do, who've made whole brands. I mean, it's, it's actually really hard not to use the term brand when talking about Russell Brand. Um, but yeah, yeah, people who have made, yeah, who have built careers off of climate conspiracy theories. And that's the kind of stuff. And, and again, it's really difficult to emphasize it without actually seeing it. But it is that he's posting new content on a variety of different subjects every single day, often on multiple platforms. It's sometimes the same content being repurposed, but not all of it. A lot of the time it is just a, a variety of different things going out on all these different platforms. And it is on a daily basis. So it's there's no stone goes unturned by that guy. Yeah. I mean, lots of his fans might say that he is someone who's critically minded, he's challenging conventional ways of thinking, um, that he doesn't just kind of absorb and swallow, you know, the kind of uh, official view on things. And, and that challenging mindset is actually a really positive thing and why they why they come to listen to him. That's quite an interesting uh, positioning in a way for him because... It allows him to talk about these kind of issues that are controversial, that verge into platforming misinformation um, at certain times. But also he's sort of got an excuse and his fans seem to really like that, don't they? Yeah. And I mean, I think this is also where he very, who knows if it's intentional, it feels intentional, but he very carefully sort of does this tightrope act where I, I don't think it's wrong necessarily. I mean, I actually think it's right to like question, you know, sort of, I guess, like authority or per widely perceived notions told to you by, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Yeah, like to question things that are told to you by those who have extreme amounts of power, even disproportionate amounts of power. But obviously, it's, that isn't mutually exclusive with, I don't know, like, not denying climate or like believing that climate change is a real sure. thing. So I think that's where he is extremely effective because his fans love that. And also just on principle, it's not actually a bad thing. And in many ways it is a good thing. He is critically minded. I think he is a critically minded person. I don't think that's untrue, but that's what makes him slightly more, I don't know, like slippery as a figure because he has a lot of these things that are actually valuable, but when you apply them to conspiracy theories or spreading misinformation, it, it yeah, it becomes, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not a good thing, obviously. Yeah, and you managed to speak to some of his fans. Who were they? Who, who's tuning in to listen to him every day? The fans were so interesting to talk to, and there were a few that I talked to as well that, you know, wouldn't go on the record or didn't, or just wanted to be on background or things like that. And it's really quite a wide range. And I, when I spoke to the, these two digital communication experts at the Oxford Internet Institute, they said to me, they were like, we're really wary of saying his audience is this or any person's audience is whatever, because usually these things are pretty, it's a big church. And that is absolutely what my experience was of talking to fans. You know, the ones in the piece, it was like some, like a, wellness kind of somebody who likes like the wellness industry blogger like young woman who goes to some of brands wellness festivals there was a guy who I found on reddit who you know lived at home with his parents and was like a carer and then a middle-aged woman in Florida who was like a business entrepreneur 
Um, so you do just get this really wide range of fans. And again, like it, many, many iterations beyond that I spoke to who weren't actually in the piece. And so I think what sort of unites people, as with anything, I guess, is that there's there's a common belief in what he's doing. It is that like critical, critical thinking that they really seem to value. And that was the thing that I saw repeated over and over again was questioning authority as his main appeal. But yeah, I mean, really sort of anyone under the sun could be the demographic of person who watches Russell Brand, which is also what is, I guess, like concerning if you are concerned about what this influence then means like on a societal level, because it's not just that there's all these demographics that do watch him, but it also sort of proves that no demographic is like insulated from being influenced by these ideas. And so that's kind of what I saw through these conversations. Yeah. And before we kind of go on to the bigger, I guess, impact of people like Russell Brand, you did try to speak to him directly. We were super keen for you to meet him, but it didn't work out. Why not? Yeah, that was an extremely frustrating. Obviously, we we talked about this at length, but yeah, that was a, a quite a big roadblock. I emailed and spoke to, you know, people on his main sort of like Russell Brand core team, his literary agents, his representative PR people at Rumble, where he has this brand partnership to do streaming. And while some people just shut me down completely and others spoke to me and then started ghosting me, it was the second I said, oh, I'm writing a piece for Prospect Magazine. Suddenly there was a lack of communication. And I think that that's, that is an interesting detail. Well, I'm very sad not to have been able to speak to him and it would have been great to have heard from him. And also, interestingly enough, for someone who's so obsessed with debate, there did seem to be a real stonewall once I mentioned I was writing for a not explicitly right-wing organization. Um, yeah, I just think it, it says a lot, I think. And it's, and it's a very sort of interesting feature, I think, about these types of figures is that there is this obsession with debate me, debate me, debate me, talk to me. I want to talk to you. I want to talk as much as possible. Um, but yeah, being given the opportunity, that that isn't always necessarily what ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the offer is still out there. So <laughs> round two. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that would be great. So moving on to the kind of bigger picture, Russell Brand in the, the sort of wider context, as you say, of these talking heads, you touched a little bit on how he's different to to other online talking heads. Can you tell us a bit more about that? What makes him so special? Yeah, so I think it is that combination of, there's, well, it's a combination of a few things. I think firstly, obviously, it is about how much of an audience you do have. But the audience that Russell Brand has is not, well, it is difficult to get. It's not, like, it's not rare on YouTube. There's, I mean, it's why, like, right-leaning conspiracy-minded conspiracy theory-minded talking heads is like its own little cottage industry like there are plenty of people who have millions of subscribers who do that um on a daily basis or do that with regularity um but I think for him what it is is it's the size of audience it's the volume of content the amount of content he made like I said before the amount of content that he puts out is unusual you do not see people doing multiple things every single day and with, without a break and getting that much of a viewership. I mean, his YouTube clips that he uploads from Rumble get millions of views every single day. 
But I think what's the really crucial thing alongside this is, like I said, is that pre-existing familiarity. It's the fact that we we know who Russell Brand is. We don't even have to be in that kind of world where we're even even if we don't believe it, but even people like me, you know, who like for work look at conspiracy theorists on the internet. There are many that I come across and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this person before. But nobody, almost no one in at least the Western world is doing that with Russell Brand. Most people already know who he is. And that just, it really does create this sort of, I don't know, like slip and slide to believability and trustworthiness that is key to convincing people of your ideas and key to truly influencing someone. And then alongside that, I think it's also just worth saying is that he is like an actor and he is a comedian. He is, he knows how to communicate with people. He's extremely affecting. Even, even watching it, I, you know, I was, I was speaking to my partner about it while I was watching some of these videos and I was like, I totally see how people get hooked on this. Like, I, how, how would you describe his presenting style? Like, what's it like watching one of his videos? It's like watching a topical stand-up routine. Like he's not, he's, it is polemic, but he is also sitting there trying to relate to you as a normal person and trying to be funny. A lot of the time he's, most of it is from this sort of comedic angle of, oh, aren't these people so absurd to ever believe this like extremely true and verified thing? Um, Like, oh, they're so silly for not like considering this other thing that I'm talking about that is like complete nonsense. So I think you just using that comedic style is super effective, obviously. And it, and it is the case that, like we said before, that he does question authority. He questions, you know, I think I said in the piece, which I think is a great example, because it, and it was one of the examples where I was like, I could see someone getting hooked on this because I partially do agree with you on this, where he talks about big pharma and vaccines. And he's sort of saying, implying that you shouldn't trust the vaccines because big pharma has, is interested in profit. And I also agree that Big Pharma is predominantly interested in profit. I don't think that they were like, we're going to just try to solve the pandemic because we want to be good people. I think they knew they could make a lot of money off it. But that doesn't mean that, that doesn't therefore mean that that coronavirus vaccines don't work or that they're a hoax or that we shouldn't get them or anything like that, that is sort of the implied, I guess, follow on from that idea. But that's obviously then what his followers believe. So I think just doing it in that style, that comedic, like, oh, aren't they so absurd? And then that little grain of truth still being, you know, there is something true and honest that's still at the core of what he's saying. It's just, it's super effective. It's extremely effective. And you, as I keep saying, I can see how people get hooked on this stuff. After the break, we'll talk more about the conspiratorial world surrounding Russell Brand. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to consume more of our journalism, then we'd encourage you to subscribe. A subscription unlocks full access to Prospect content across newsletters, web, app and print. And right now, a subscription to Prospect costs as little as £1 per month. Visit prospectmagazine.co.uk and subscribe now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. I mean, vaccines have become quite a, a big part of kind of the issues that he's interested in and also why his fans maybe tune in he's had people on his show who also are kind of vaccine skeptic or you know have as you say questioned the efficacy of vaccines one notably being robert f kennedy jr who is now becoming kind of a key figure it seems in um u.s u.s politics so there is a real world impact to to him giving voice to these kind of views. So I think um, I think this is actually a really crucial part of it is that Russell Brand, as well as just being influential to his audience and to this, you know, to this very sizable audience, he is also, because he is so familiar and his audience does sort of reach beyond, I think, who his subscribers are, he does have this sort of added influence where he can convert or even not even convert, what is the right word? He can take someone from or take someone or a conspiracy theory that is at least relatively obscure, and he's then able to fast track it into being much more mainstream than it would have been if he'd never touched it. There was, I mean, Robert F. Kennedy obviously is someone who a lot of people did know, but it does help to go on a show like that, like Russell Brand's show, and be able to have these millions and millions and millions of viewers immediately available to you. But even something like I think it was in January, there was a conspiracy theory about Dutch farmers and their milk and their cows and their, I actually am now, I can go and look it up to be able to say it more correctly, but there was a, there was a conspiracy theory about Dutch farmers and cows that many people didn't know about. And it was something to do with like regulations around them being able to use their cows for certain things and milk regulations, things like it was an extremely niche, weird conspiracy theory. But then Russell Brand did a, a section on it on his show, and it went completely mainstream. Suddenly it was getting covered in loads of um, newspapers. There were lots of um, knock-on sort of opinion pieces talking about the fact that Russell Brand had, you know, brought this conspiracy theory that was sort of in little tiny corners of the internet into a much more mainstream platform. And that's, of course, obviously the part of Russell Brand that's effective as well, is that because he is like an A-list celebrity by many measures, whatever he then talks about, not only is it taking it to its audience, but it also then understandably generates a media cycle. I mean, we're here talking about him right now um, in a way that we're not talking about other talking heads. And it's just, and it's an understandable response and it is worthy of interrogation, but there's inevitably always going to be this secondary element when you do talk about someone, even here right now, that you are then going to alert people to his existence who will not necessarily agree that 
he's a harmful presence and who will then like be convinced by him, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think he is, it's not just that he influences his audience on whatever thing he's thinking about. He's actually able to sort of catapult things that are less mainstream into a much more mainstream place. And I know that I'm rambling on on this response, but another thing is just to say as well in that piece, which I think it did make it into the piece, is that a, is that an expert from the, Oxford Internet Institute said that they found that Russell Brand was extremely effective, one of the most effective TikTok accounts at promoting coronavirus misinformation during the pandemic. And so I think that is that really, I think, helps to illustrate just how influential he can be. It's not just him and his ideas, but he is sort of this springboard for harmful ideas on a pretty mass scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there was a link in the online version to an academic paper that where they kind of cite Russell Brand as as being a, a sort of vector of COVID misinformation, which is really interesting. And, and I think one of the things he had to apologize for and correct himself was was that over his comments on vaccines. And there was at least one instance where he did apologize for saying something that was untrue. Um, on other times, do you say he's sort of not directly aligning himself with one view or the other and kind of more questioning, but he he's clearly on, on the edge there in relation to, to misinformation and COVID. So we'll can direct people to that to that paper if they want to check it out as well. I did also want to ask you about outside of streaming, he's sort of got this wide range of activities. You mentioned earlier kind of the wellness stream of his work that's always been there, but he now also runs this big festival called community that kind of links together those more socially acceptable maybe parts of his views to around around wellness around health around climate protection or very worthy tell us a bit about that yeah I think that was probably like my favorite part of doing this piece was those wellness festivals were so interesting to look at yeah he does have and again Lots of very worthy stuff. I mean, he's very effective when it comes to talking about his struggles with addiction. It's And there's, yeah, there's nothing to really criticize in the way that he sort of discusses those things. And that also is, to be fair, also another thing that a lot of his fans cited is that his openness about his past substance abuse issues really do, does, is really engaging for fans and very captivating. Um, and I think like inspiring for a lot of them as well. But yeah, but he has sort of off the back of a variety of stuff, these wellness festivals, where it looks something like like a Instagram influencer or like a TikTok influencer would have. It's very sort of bohemian. We're all in a field for a weekend. We do Tai Chi and we do yoga, but we also do like spiritual things. And then also there are some people who believe in like kind of dodgy science who will tell you about that dodgy science. So it's this sort of strange, but also very, I guess, like typical of the wellness community festivals. It's very sort of alternative medicine. And while promoting alternative medicine, saying that traditional medicine doesn't work, like that kind of style of wellness community. But yeah, it's, it's another sort of I guess, like feather in his bow or feather in his cap rather mm. to the host of other things he does. And yeah, the people that are there, I think that the wellness festivals, I guess, similar to a lot of his stuff, there's a lot of stuff that's absolutely fine with it. I, I mean, I do yoga. Um, I, uh, I do admire what he's done when it comes to talking about addiction, but he'll have people there like Wim Hof, for example, who a lot of people have platformed Wim Hof, um, but he's a cold water evangelist but he essentially promotes that like cold water swimming can help 
cure a variety of health issues and has also been quite critical of, or and has sort of similar to Brand sort of flirted with conspiracy theories um, around traditional medicine. Um, and yeah, so you get this kind of weird combination of stuff like that. And interestingly, when I was talking to some of the people that have gone to those festivals, those festivals do seem to also be a way in to his other content. So people will watch his videos about addiction, they'll want to go to a festival, and then they'll sort of buy into his, for lack of a better word, brand through that, and then start watching the Rumble streams, the other types of content. Um, and yeah, those wellness festivals are sort of their way into the wider, I guess, more, or yeah, that, that's their less harmful way into the more harmful sides of what mm -hmm. Russell Brand creates and puts out. Yeah. I mean, throughout all of this, there's been an interesting question about what he really believes. What is a core belief of Russell Brand's? I think a lot of the wellness stuff he's been quite consistent on. Some of his political views he's been consistent on, but also it, it feels like there's been a transformation in his approach. So how far did you get in figuring out what Russell Brand really believes? I mean, I think it's an interesting one. I think it's what I think it was what was so interesting kind of from the start. I mean, I think when we first had conversations about it many months ago with Alan as well, that was one of the main things we were talking about was why is he doing this and like what what has caused this sort of shift? And it was something that the that Felix Simon, one of the experts I spoke to, talked about as well, where he he mentioned the Fox News mentioned the Fox News um, Dominion lawsuit in which lots of Fox News anchors were found out through sort of the release of internal documents and private communications that they didn't believe. They were actively disagreeing with many of the things about Donald Trump that they were themselves promoting on national television in the United States. And he, and he posed that. He said, you know, it could very well be this sort of thing. And sort of where I landed on it in the end is I do think... I mean, there are some things when you look back at that news, that interview that haven't really changed. Like it is that questioning authority. I think like those sort of seeds are still there. The focus on ideas, not the focus on politicians or parties or movements even. It's more about those specific core ideas and questioning authority. But in my view, I do think that it's kind of been a gratuitous shift. I think he did lose an audience and he had one then and this is how you take those ideas in present day and find an audience with them and in, the, in, in the way that you were able to find a niche but sizable audience promoting those ideas you know or using those ideas to promote sort of more left-wing talking points such as climate you know pushing for climate change reform mm -hmm. or climate change action um was in 2013. And I think it is just that. I think he does believe in those ideas. But I, I, do, I do believe that he's willing to use those ideas in order to, or he will use those ideas to fit whatever is going to get Russell Brand the most attention off the back of them. And that's sort of what I kind of, I guess on some level, guessed going in. And that does seem to be that was sort of where I landed when I did get to the end of it and had talked to all these people because you can tell he's passionate. I think he does care, but it does seem, you know, like we said, he talks about every conspiracy theory pretty much under the sun, any sort of en vogue, zeitgeisty, culture war topic. And I just, yeah, I think when you're doing that all the time, every day, 
I think you might be passionate about the idea, but how, where, where and how you apply that idea doesn't matter as much as long as it's bringing you views and attention. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. So kind of looking forwards, where do you, what will you be keeping an eye on? Where do you think the Russell Brand story for you goes from here? I think I'll enjoy having a break from Russell Brand, <laughs> but I, I think that I, I do, I will be interested to see what happens because I think that this, like anything is going to be, you know, the way that people operate and gain influence in those spaces right now is not how it's going to be in 10 years, for example, in 2033, God, that is, that year doesn't sound like it exists. Um, but yeah, in 2033, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be this. I don't know what it will be, but I'm just interested in the way he is going to sort of shift and change in order to meet his audience, whoever that audience is going to be or however he's going to meet them. But I think that's his primary aim. I think he does believe, I think he does believe those core principles. Um, but I'm interested to see, I don't know, the way the world shifts and the way he sort of reapplies them as that happens. Yeah, super interesting. Great. I think that we can probably wrap it up there. Thanks so much to Sarah for joining us. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then grab a copy of the July issue of Prospect Magazine, where you can read Sarah's story in full, alongside stories about the future of conservatism, Ukrainian language, Britain's broken railways, and the latest in the case of Julian Assange, as told by his wife, Stella. And while you're here, why don't you subscribe to something slightly different? Prospect Lives is a monthly series of audio diary entries from our family of seven writers, including Sheila Hancock, Alice Goodman and Mike Brearley. It is honestly a joy. Sometimes it will make you laugh, sometimes it will make you cry, but it will definitely give you a snapshot of the lives of people who live a little differently to you. Just search for Prospect Lives wherever you get your podcast or click on the link in the show notes of this episode. 